Shalom, and welcome to Via Hafta Yisrael, a Hebrew phrase which means you shall love Israel. We hope you'll stay with us for the next 30 minutes as our teacher, Dr. Baruch, shares his expository teaching from the Bible. Dr. Baruch is the senior lecturer at the Zera Avraham Institute based in Israel. Although all courses are taught in Hebrew at the Institute, Dr. Baruch is pleased to share this weekly address in English. To find out more about our work in Israel, please visit us on the web at loveisrael.org. That's one word, loveisrael.org. Now, here's Baruch with today's lesson. Are you spiritually presumptuous? Meaning that you make assumptions for the decisions that you're making, how you behave, and fail to realize you don't know what tomorrow's going to bring. You, not, you don't know what's going to happen in a week or a month, in a year. And if you are led by your own desires, hear this carefully, you are going to be totally unprepared for the future. But if you humble yourself, if you are submissive to God, and by the way, a, a submissive demeanor before God positions you where you can hear from God, be led by God, and experience the guidance, the direction of the Holy Spirit in your life. It is important for us to be humble and submissive before God if we are going to carry out the will of God. But here's the problem. At the end of, of our last verse that we studied a week ago, we find the word for being double-minded. Now, we're studying the fourth chapter of the book of James. His, his literal name is Yaakov. And Yaakov told us, he says, friendship with the world is enmity with God. Being a friend of the world appoints you, positions you to be an enemy of God. Now, that's pretty serious. And when he speaks at the end of verse 8 of chapter 4 of James, he warns us about being double-minded. What is that? Saying, I'm a believer, I want to follow God, but double-minded, you're really committed to the things of this world. You're really pursuing the things that this world can offer you. Instead of wanting to submit to the Spirit, you are being led by the flesh. That's what is double-minded. And therefore, he says something. In the book of Psalms and Psalm 30, now this is a well-known psalm in the Jewish community, and remember that Yaakov, he writes this too, the Jewish people who are in the diaspora, those who are outside the land but who are believers. And they would have known how Psalm 30 ends. Psalm 30 because it is a prayer that David wrote for the dedication of the temple. Not the first temple, not the second temple, but the millennial temple. When God is establishing his kingdom, when Messiah is on the throne in Jerusalem, these are good times. And what does the end of Psalm 30 say? It says that your, your mourning garments, your sackcloth, 
is going to be removed. And your mourning will turn into a dance, turn into joy. Now that's good news, and that's our kingdom hope. But we're not there at this time. In, in actuality, we're going to go through, whether you are a believer or whether you're simply a Jewish non-believer, you are going to go through difficult times. Be aware, I say this frequently, as the last days approach, as we go into those birth pains and beyond, Messiah says, you will be hated, you will be persecuted because of my name, that, that people will turn against you, those fellow believers, those of your own household, the enemies of a man will be the members of his household. It is going to be difficult, difficult times, persecution is coming. So we're not ready to hear. It's great to have that hope, that, that understanding, that prophetic truth that it's going to, to change. There is coming a time of joy, of dancing, of celebration when the kingdom of God is established. But, but until we get there, and it's a difficult road, remember what Messiah said, that the road that leads to eternal life, that is kingdom life, is, is narrow, and it's difficult, and few find it. And I would emphasize that last part. Few find it. If you are listening to someone, or part of some movement, some congregation, some organization that is speaking about some great last day revival. That is a false teaching. We do not see that. Now, it is true. In the midst of persecution that's coming, many believers will be brought to faith. That's good news. But we're not talking about a revival that has happened in other places. Where, where many people are brought to faith and communities change. Godliness, righteousness is, is embraced and implemented. We're not going to see that anywhere. No, dark times, difficult times, times of persecution. Will there be many people getting saved? Yes, but there's not going to be these, these wonderful times that, that many people are prophesying. This modern movement of prophets is a false movement. It's not of God. And this is why, and let's begin, look with me to James or Yaakov chapter 4, and we're going to begin in verse 9 where it says, you be grieved or, or sad. It's an expression of sorrow. And he's saying here, you be sorrowful and you mourn, and you weep. And then he says, your laughter into mourning will be turned, and joy into gloom. Now, you probably are not going to go to some conference or seminar where the theme is this verse, where he says, be ready to be sad, experience sorrow, experience the fact that your, your joy is going to turn into gloom and your laughter into mourning and weeping. See, people don't want to hear that, but this is the word of God. 
This is what Yaakov is telling people. He understands both 2,000 years ago, prior to the destruction, and it's really about 1950 years ago, when Jerusalem was, was taken captive, the second temple destroyed, and the Roman exile began. See, this is what he wants the people to be ready for. This is what was going to happen. And so many people, they weren't prepared. They weren't aware of this. Why? Because they were not prophetically led. They were not submissive and humble to the leadership of the Spirit of God. But they were believing that through their faith, life was going to be easy, good, prosperous, healthy, and they would escape problems. This is not the message of the apostles. When you really go through books of the Bible, the epistles of the New Covenant, you find they talk about persecution, suffering, suffering for righteousness, enduring, all of these things. But we don't hear too many messages from those who are very popular today teaching such truth. So he says, once more, you be sorrowful, you mourn, you weep, because your laughter into mourning will be turned, and the joy into gloom. And this word gloom speaks of a, a spiritual heaviness, that which comes from the enemy, from opposition. So the problem is this, if, if we're pursuing our objectives, our desires, our wants, and not realizing what God is leading us into, this time of sorrow, of mourning, of gloom, of weeping, if we don't know that, we're going to be miserably unprepared, and we won't take that proper stand, we won't bear a testimony that's pleasing to God. What is the right action now look at verse 10 where he says you humble yourself before the Lord and he will exalt you now notice that that this phrase he will exalt you is in the future it speaks not about presently but a time in the future and I believe it's very very similar to what we read in the Beatitudes. You know, in the Beatitudes, it says, blessed are those who are afflicted, for they will. And all these things, hardship, those who thirst for righteousness, because they will be. It's always later on. And the Beatitudes speak about a blessing in the future, and it's a kingdom blessing don't have kingdom expectations for this world. You're going to be thoroughly disappointed. Have kingdom expectations where they belong in the kingdom. So you say, well, what should I be expecting now in this world? Hardship, persecution, the opposition of the enemy. And as we approach the last days, it's going to become ever so clear that we are indeed hated for our faith, that the world hates the truth of God. And where Yaakov said, if you are a friend of the world, 
You are an enemy of God. In this case, the, the converse is also true. If you are a friend of God, you are going to find yourself being thought of as an enemy of the world, and the world is going to let you know that in very harsh, barbaric terms. Be ready. This is where we're going to. And if you have a little bit of spiritual insight, you can see this happening more and more places in the world. This is not some, something that, that individuals have dreamed up, thought of, a new theological doctrine. This is what prophecy, both of the Old Testament prophets and the prophetic truth that we receive from the New Testament apostles in the Scripture. Read Peter. Read, read James as we're doing. Read the epistles of Paul makes it very clear what's going to happen. So he says, you humble yourself before the Lord. Again, we should always ask, how is Messiah being, being revealed in the text? And when he is called the Lord, that tells us we need to recognize his authority, his instructions, his truth in our life because it's only true his truth. Everyone else is false and a liar. God speaks truth. God cannot lie. And therefore, a wise one, you humble yourself, you submit, and you know that there's a kingdom exaltation coming for your future. Not in this world, but in the world to come. Look now to verse 11. Verse 11 is a, a passage, a couple verses we're going to be looking at in this section, and it's frequently misunderstood. Now, what Yaakov is speaking about is, is not speaking against a fellow believer. But let me tell you what he's not speaking against, and that is calling out those who are false believers or those who are, are leading true believers in the wrong way. And there's many, most of which have an unrighteous desire. They have a motive that is not pleasing to God, but there are some that are just misguided. They've been taught wrong. They've been discipled in a way that they have wrong expectations. So notice what Yaakov tells us here. And some Bibles add words. We're not going to do this. We're going to translate it literally. Word says, look if you would to verse 11. Do not speak against another. Now he's saying this, it's in the plural. You all don't speak against one another. Now some translation says, don't speak evil. That word evil is not there. It's simply the verb for speaking and a, a preposition that's attached to that verb that makes it a, a prefix. And the prefix is kata, which means against. So it simply is, don't you be speaking against a fellow believer, against one another. Now, does that mean that we can never uh, reprove someone? Of course it's not. Speaking, and literally the word kata, 
can mean against, but also down. And this idea of down has to do with condemning. Don't speak condemnation. We don't have a ministry, a call. There's not a gift of condemnation. God is the only one. And he has given this, this position to his son, Yeshua, to be the one who is judge in the sense of condemning. But that does not mean that we cannot, cannot reprove for the purpose of seeing someone being more, more correct in their, their teaching, their behavior. So don't take this in the wrong context. We could accurately translate it, do not speak condemnation against one another, brethren. The one who speaks condemnation, the one who speaks down his, his brother, also judges his brother. And this word, in this context, krino, speaks about judging for the purpose of punishing, destroying condemnation. This is not our call. And he warns us of this. And when we do this, notice what he says at the end of verse 11, where he says, such a one who's doing that, he says, is speaking against the law and judging the law. Meaning, it is taking the position that it's against the law and saying the law is not right. What is the summation of the law? It says, V'yahavta la re'acha kamocha. Love your neighbor as yourself. So behave with love to edify, to be a positive influence in someone else, not a condemning influence. If you are a condemning influence, you are not loving your neighbor so that you are standing in opposition to what the Torah instructs. That's what he's saying here. And you have made yourself judge and the Torah never calls you to be the judge. That's the implication here. And if one judges the law, if that's what he's doing. He's the judger of the law. Then he says, you are not doing, you're not a doer of the law, but you have become a judge. The word of God does not tell us to become someone else's judge. We're supposed to be a friend. We're supposed to be a brother. We're supposed to love our neighbor, not condemn our neighbor. We're not one another's judge. Can we speak truth? Can we disciple? Can we reprove? Can we bring conviction for the purpose of repentance? Absolutely. But the objective of a believer is never to mediate condemnation to another person. That is not our role. We are not, as he says here, we are not the judge. Look now to verse 13. He writes, For there is one lawgiver. And some manuscripts have an additional phrase, and judge. The best manuscript just has, For there is one lawgiver, the one who is able to save and to destroy. So it is Messiah who, in fact, is able to make that determination to save one or to destroy one, not us. Now, the fact that it speaks about saving and destroying shows us that word destroying 
is, is related to condemnation. To speak condemnation and destruction on someone. That's not what we're about. That's not how a true follower of, of Messiah behaves. He goes on and writes at the end of verse 12. For who are you that, that you judge another? Now, some manuscripts have judge your neighbor, which is more in light with the, the Torah term, but my manuscript in Greek has the word eteron, which is simply another. So he says, who are you whatsoever that you should judge another? That is not what we're called to do. The Bible speaks also elsewhere. You are not a judge of our brother. There's one judge and one lawgiver, and that is God. Now move on to verse, verse 13. Now we get to this section talking about uh, being spiritually presumptuous. And it's all connected. And that is one is presumptuous. He's making assumptions about what he's going to do. And God's going to bring back a time of sorrow a time of weeping, a time of mourning, a time of gloom. And what are the other people thinking? They're not thinking that this is what's coming. They think it's a time of prosperity, a time of success, a time of, of, of great, great material blessings. This is not what the future had for believers nearly 2,000 years ago or what it has for us as we see the prophetic indicators announcing this change coming. So once again, he writes, look at verse 13. Now you go and are saying, today or tomorrow we will go into such and such a city, and we will do there one year, meaning we'll spend a year there in this city. And we will conduct business, we will buy and sell, and we will profit. Now, that is their assumption, that they're going to do that. They've chosen what city, they've chosen how long they're going to spend there, they've chosen what they're going to do, and they believe, with assurance, we're going to be profitable. Says who? You don't know what tomorrow brings. And he says, this is how, how a true disciple, a true follower of, of Messiah uh, behaves. Now look at verse 14. He says, you are not understanding. You do not know about tomorrow. For what is your life? What's life? He says, for it is a vapor, meaning it's here and it's gone. So he asks the question, for what is your life? And then he answers it. For it is a vapor. For a little while it's manifested, but then it is unmanifested. Probably we would say, and it vanishes or disappears. So we have a very relative to eternity, to the kingdom experience. This life is a vapor, here now and gone ever so soon. 
And therefore, if we're going to utilize the limited, the scarce time that we have, then we need to be people that do what? Submit, humble ourselves, not being thinking that we're going to just experience all the good things that because we've accepted God into our life that we're going to be the ones who are, are greatly blessed, greatly rewarded for things in this life. That's not what Yaakov is teaching. He says that such an attitude, that I'm going to do this and I'm going to be successful, God's going to bless me in this. He says, look again. He says, basically, for, for you don't understand tomorrow. For what is your life? For it is a vapor that for a little while appears, but then vanishes. Instead, look at verse 15. Instead, you should be saying, if the Lord wills. In irtzei Hashem. A very common expression in Hebrew. Im say Hashem. If Hashem, Yertzeh, if He wants, if He wills, if God then. It's simply talking about, Im say Hashem, is simply talking about always bringing everything under the authority of God. It's what He wills, it's what He wants, and we need to be led by Him unless, for the sake of of experiencing and being prepared for what's tomorrow. If we're not prepared to experience what tomorrow will be, and the only way to be prepared is by him. So he says, verse, verse 14, actually 15, instead you shall say, if the Lord wills, and we live, and we do this and that, He's telling us, you don't know if you'll even be alive tomorrow. Your life is a vapor and it can end at any time. So instead, we should say if God's will and if we live and we do this and that. Here's the problem, pride. And that's why he says, now look at verse 16. But now you are boasting in your arrogance. Now, many times the word arrogance is related to, to pride. And in this case, it's also related to pride, but a pride that says, I, I really don't want to know what anyone else is saying, what anyone else's thoughts are. I know best for me. It is someone who is unteachable, someone who, who is not open to the, the precept, the biblical precept, that there is safety in many counselors. One is not, in this attitude, one is not saying, would you pray with me about, about this? I, I'm thinking about doing that. I want to make sure it's God's will. Pray with me that we have direction, that we have insight, that we hear from the leadership of the Holy Spirit if this is the proper way. Because such a person wants to not profit himself, but be profitable as a vessel of God for the purposes of God. So that's why he says in this passage, but now these individuals in their current condition, he says, but now you are boasting in your arrogance. 
in this, this boastful pride that you possess. And all such boasting is evil. Now, what does that tell us? Well, realize that the word evil is the exact opposite of the will of God. What's the will of God? Good. So my boasting, this arrogance, this pride that says I'm going to pursue what I think is best for me, what I want to do, I'm going to persevere in my destiny, my plan. Such a person, they are not going to know God's will. Such an attitude leads us into evil, that is, leads us into that which is contrary to the will of God. Verse 17, he says, Therefore, he who knows, and this is in the, the perfect tense, which means he's known it in the past, he knows it right now, and, and he'll hold that same opinion into the future. He knows. But here's the problem. He's not behaving based upon what he knows. He is putting that to the side. What are we talking about? Is God sovereign? Yes, he is. Can God do whatever he wants? Yes, he can. Does God want that which is good? Yes, he does. So if we want what is good and we want to submit to God's plan, we're going to be wanting to hear him. We know that. And we know the spiritual principles to hear from God. Obey scriptural truth. Be humble. Submit. All these things, as I said earlier, positions us spiritually where God will order, direct our steps, order our way, lead us. We'll have that, that prophetic mindset. We'll have that spiritual illumination. So it's not that, that we don't know how to hear from God. We don't want to. And that's why he says here, he who knows, therefore, good to do. He knows that he's called to do God's will. But also not doing it. So the one who knows what God's will is but does not do it, it says, sin to him it is. And I translated this literally in the word order where it says sin to him it is. It's wanting to emphasize sin. This is what he's experiencing. So when I choose that which is, is agreeable to my wants, my desires, it puts me in a position of spiritual darkness that I won't be prepared for the future. I won't be ready for what's going to be tomorrow or the next day. I won't have any sensitivity about the shortness of my life and how to utilize it for the purposes of God. And I... By that behavior, that mindset, I'm going to begin to move and pursue and move along that which is against God's will, that which is evil. And he says, such one who does this, he knows better than that. He knows that this is not how a disciple, one who acknowledges the authority, the lordship of Messiah, how he behaves. A, a, a servant listens to his Lord. So this one who does not do the will of God, 
it says, sin to him it is. So let's just summarize with a few sentences and then we'll close. And that's this. Many individuals who are professing faith, who say, I've received the gospel, they are living a life that is short-sighted, that is not based upon the truth of Scripture, not utilizing the principles of Scripture, and they are going in the direction that is sin. And what does sin bring about? One or two things. If you're truly a believer, it brings about punishment. It brings God's rebuke, God chastening, God judging, God discipline. If you're not a believer, sin brings about death, eternal death. In other words, what, what Yaakov is speaking about in this fourth chapter is so significant. To ask ourselves, am I truly a friend of God? Am I truly submitting to God, humbling myself in order that I'm concerned with what is the will of God? Do I say frequently, Im Yertzeh Hashem, if God's will, or am I so much committed to what I want, my so-called destiny, what I believe I'm fit for? Think for a moment about Moses. Moses never wanted, never thought of himself being in the position that he was placed in by God, what God called him to do. And you see many men and women of God, Esther, another example. She didn't want to be in that position. She didn't see herself in that way, but God did. Anytime that we are motivated based upon how we see ourselves, what we think we're fit for, what we think we're made for, we are exemplifying spiritual darkness. We are behaving based upon spiritual presumptuousness. Don't be spiritually presumptuous. Be someone who is submissive and realize in the end, in the kingdom, he will exalt you. Well, we'll close with that until next week and we begin this fifth and final chapter of the epistle of Yaakov. Until then, Shalom from Israel. Well, we hope you will benefit from today's message and share it with others. Please plan to join us each week at this time and on this channel for our broadcast of loveisrael.org. Again, to find out more about us, please visit our website, loveisrael.org. There you will find articles and numerous other lectures by Baruch. These teachings are in video form. You may download them or watch them in streaming video. Until next week, may the Lord bless you in our Messiah Yeshua, that is, Jesus, as you walk with Him. Shalom from Israel. Shalom from Israel.